Shalom, brothers and sisters. Shalom. We have a detailed lesson prepared for the brothers and sisters internationally. Uh, today's lesson will be called the Gospel of Christ, brothers and sisters. The study of Christ is something that deserves our lifelong pursuit. This lesson will survey the study of Christ from his pre-existence to his eventual fulfillment of prophecy, brothers and sisters. We're going to have an exhaustive examination of Christ's extensive resume, brothers and sisters. His function before his manifestation in the flesh in conjunction with his mission of the New Testament. The gospel of Christ, brothers and sisters. And why is this important? Because a lot of times when we find out we are the children of Israel, you know, we get caught up in the culture and uh, the laws and you know, what we should wear and what we should eat. And sometimes, a lot of times, Christ gets left out of that, brothers and sisters. There's a, there's a, there's a myriad of Israelites who do not believe in the New Testament, do not believe in Christ. So today's lesson, you will be able to use this particular lesson to show that Christ was actually written of in the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. So we're going to show his, his, um, his purpose during his pre-existence before he walked the earth. And we're going to show his purpose, his mission for walking the earth, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Luke 24 and 44. Luke 24, verse 44. And he said unto them. This is Christ. These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. But all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses. And in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. The things that were written in the law of Moses, that's the first five books of the Bible, brothers and sisters, the prophets, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah. You have the Psalms, brothers and sisters. Now, this Christ was putting this out there for those who were shaken in faith after his resurrection. This is after his resurrection, brothers and sisters. So what are we going to do? We're going to analyze his extensive resume. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 44, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, but all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Now, brothers and sisters, examine this, because at the time when Christ was saying this, there was no such thing as the New Testament. Christ was teaching out of the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. The disciples were teaching out of the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. So if Christ said that he, he, he wanted to show all the things that were written of him in the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. So a lot of people who grew up Christian may be saying, Christ, in the Old Testament, where? Where's Christ at in the Old Testament? We know he didn't walk the earth until Matthew, the first chapter. So what are we going to do? We're going to highlight Christ's purpose, his function in the Old Testament, and then we'll travel into the New Testament, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Genesis 1 and 1. Because he said what? Written in the law of Moses. So we're going to go from front to end, brothers and sisters, to show you that the entire Bible have prophecies concerning Christ. Verse, uh, verse 1 through 3, brother, please. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said... Let there be light, and there was light. What was this light, brothers and sisters? What was this light? Because why? Christ said 
from the law of Moses, the books of Moses, which are the first five books. So that means Christ must be written of in Genesis, the beginning. So here we are. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse three. Verse three. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Right. So brothers and sisters, what was this light? We're going to prove it. We're going to John in the gospel, chapter one. We're going to read one through eight. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. We know that the Word was with the Most High. We know the Word is Christ, brothers and sisters. With the Most High, meaning He's not the Most High, brothers and sisters. He's not the Most High. He was with the Most High. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Read that part again. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So what happened? Christ was commanded by the Most High to cre create everything that we see. Christ created everything that we see, brothers and sisters, to prove that he had a function before he actually walked in the flesh, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 1? Uh, <laughs> yes, please. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Right, so what does this mean? When the Most High says, let there be light, that was Christ bringing forth that light, brothers and sisters. We have the proof. Verse 4, in Him was light. And the light was the light of men. Right. So there's a light, brothers and sisters. That light, who brought forth that light? Christ. Now, when even science can't dispute this, brothers and sisters, why? Because Einstein had a formula, which was E <clears throat> equals MC squared, which means what? That means there's a never-ending light in the universe. And it originates somewhere, but science can't tell you where it originates from. They know there's a light. So... If you don't know where it originates from, and the Bible says it originates with Christ, then who knows more? Who knows more, brothers and sisters? When you walk into a room, it's dark until you turn on the light. So we know that darkness came first, brothers and sisters. Who turned on the light? That was Christ, brothers and sisters. That was Christ. Now, when you're dealing with science, you must have proof. You must prove things to make them fact. So, in order to test this out, you walk into a room, of course, there's darkness until there's a light, brothers and sisters. Who turned on that light? That light was Christ, brothers and sisters. Verse 5. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Right. So, brothers and sisters, light comes after darkness. It comes after darkness, brothers and sisters. And you prove this through experiments in science. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. Right, John came to prepare the way for Christ. To bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Right, so brothers and sisters, Christ was the light from the beginning. Just as after Israel's fall, their transgression, he had to send the light back into the earth again, brothers and sisters. So what? Christ was commanded by the Most High to create the light. So Christ, when it says he was there in the beginning, Christ brought that light from the beginning. We're going to show you Christ's function 
in the Old Testament, brothers and sisters, and New Testament. We're going to go to Psalms 33 and 6. Psalms 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Read that again, brother. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. We know that Christ is the word. And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Right. All the host of them to show you that Christ created the angels also, brothers and sisters. Christ created all things. He received instruction from the Most High. And he manifests what he was instructed to do. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them, by the breath of his mouth. Brothers and sisters, Christ is the truth and the light from the beginning. And we're going to prove that, brothers and sisters. Can you read verse 9? Verse 9. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Right, because why? Christ was the word, brothers and sisters. So, who did the Most High command? He commanded Christ, brothers and sisters. Read verse three, uh, excuse me, brother, uh, six one more time, please. Verse six, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. By the word, let there be light, that was Christ. Verse nine, brother. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Remember in Luke, he said that he was spoken of in the books of Moses, in the prophets, and Psalms. So these are the scriptures he went to, brothers and sisters, to prove to the Israelites who he was. These are the scriptures he went to, brothers and sisters, from front to back. Because why? There was no New Testament, so he had to go into the Old Testament. That's why brothers and sisters should be equipped with this information to, even if... If somebody doesn't deal with the New Testament, you can use the Old Testament to bring forth truth. We're going to go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, to buffer that particular point that Christ created all things that we see, including the heavenly host, the angels. Colossians 1 and 13. Who had delivered us from the power of darkness? Right. Who delivered us from the power of darkness? Who was the light? Who brought forth the light? Christ. And hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created are in heaven. Read that again, brother. Verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven. So the Most High Ahiah sent Christ, his son, to create, brothers and sisters. And that are in earth. Visible and invisible. He created the things you can see and cannot see, brothers and sisters. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Right. So he created everything we can see, brothers and sisters, and the angels that we cannot see. Verse 17. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Read verse 15 one more time, brother. Verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. So when you say sons of God, what makes Christ different from us? We're sons of God, but Christ was what? He's the first begotten. He was the firstborn, brothers and sisters. When you have a, a when a king have a rulership, his firstborn son gets the uh, the reward, the, the 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 inheritance, brothers and sisters. So we're all children or sons of God, but Christ was the first begotten because why? He was the first created. 
brothers and sisters. Can you read verse 15 one more time, brother? Verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Right. So Christ's spirit was created first, brothers and sisters. The first son is always the heir. The first son is always the heir, brothers and sisters. And we're going to prove that today. We're going to go to John chapter 5, verse 39. John 5 and 39. Search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. This is Christ. And they are they which testify of me. Now, brothers and sisters, examine this. Because when Christ made this statement, this statement above, the scriptures at the time consisted solely on what? The, Tanakh, the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. When he was saying this, there was no New Testament. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 39. Search the scripture. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. So he's saying the Old Testament testifies of him, brothers and sisters. And that raises the question to those who grew up in the Christian churches. Where is Christ in the Old Testament? And that's, the, that's what we plan to prove, brothers and sisters. The Bible is going to deliver evidence that cannot be disputed, brothers and sisters. This particular teaching will show that Christ indeed appears Throughout the Old Testament, brothers and sisters, throughout the Old Testament, we're going to show, the Bible's going to show. We're going to go to John chapter 1, verse 18. John 1 and 18. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Right, so nobody hath seen the Father They've seen Christ, and only Christ have seen the Father, brothers and sisters. So this verse alone provides biblical evidence that Christ must appear in the Old Testament. Why? Because none of the who were the prophets dealing with? Who was Moses dealing with up on the mount? Who were the who was Ezekiel dealing with? Who who was this? If that wasn't the Most High, who was it? You're going to find out today, brothers and sisters, that that was Christ. The angel of the Lord was Christ, without any shadow of a doubt, brothers and sisters. So any physical appearance of the Most High in the Old Testament, that wasn't God the Father, but the Son. And we're going to prove that. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 18. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Now, why do we go here? Because if no man hath seen the Father, who was that who delivered to Moses the covenant in the name of the Most High? We're going to prove that. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus 3, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. Read that again, brother. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. The angel of the Lord. See, so this wasn't the most high, brothers and sisters. This was Christ, and we're going to prove it. The angel of the Lord is Christ, without any shadow of a doubt, brothers and sisters. And we're going to prove it. Because why? Christ need his credit. Christ need his credit. A lot of Christians will say this was Gabriel. They'll say this was Michael. They'll say it's a bunch of different people, brothers and sisters. So today, we want to highlight Christ's function in the Old Testament. Because why? Christ wasn't just a man. He wasn't just a, a regular man. Before he walked the earth, he actually had an important function. Brothers and sisters, 
since the creation. Can you read verse 2 again, Brother Corey? Verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Right. So this bush was burning with a supernatural fire, brothers and sisters, that did not consume the bark of the bush while it burned. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burnt. Right. So once the Most High had his attention or the angel of the Lord had his attention. Continue, brother. Verse four. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God called unto him out of the midst of the bush. Now we know that no man have seen the father. So who was this? We're going to prove it. And, and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place of the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Right. So, brothers and sisters, this is holy ground. Where Moses received the law was holy ground. This is the angel of the Lord, brothers and sisters. This was not the most high, brothers and sisters. And that's why it's important that you understand who the angel of the Lord is. Because why? Then you may attribute this to another character. You may attribute this to another character. And this is very critical. This was not an angel delivering the Most High's name or Moses' mission. This was Christ who created that light, brothers and sisters. We're going to prove that today. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 5. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Holy ground. We're going to, um, we're going to read verse six, brothers and sisters. But first we needed you to examine verse two, where it says, this is the angel of the Lord. So the angel of the Lord was a mediator. It was an intercessor. It was the mouthpiece of the most high. Who was this mouthpiece, brothers and sisters? Uh, put it in your memory bank that this, this angel of the Lord told Moses to take off his sandals, unlash his shoes, because this is holy ground, because that's critical, brothers and sisters. We're going to read verse six. Verse six. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Now, we've already read that this wasn't the most high. This was who? This was the angel of the Lord. This was the intercessor. This is who delivered the covenant. Because why? The most high does not leave the throne at any reason ever at all. Because why? He don't need to. He's the most high. He sent out angels to do his work. He sent out his son to do his work. The Most High do not leave the throne, brothers and sisters. The Most High created Christ and told Christ to create everything. See how that works? Most High didn't need to create everything. He created his son and said, I enlist you, now go create. Because that's the power of the Most High, brothers and sisters. Uh, read verse 16, uh, 6 one more time, brother, please. Verse 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Read verse 14, Brother Corey. Verse 14. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am have sent, right. sent me unto you. Right. So, brothers and sisters, Moses asked the Most High, what was his name, or the angel of the Lord? He said, I am that I am. Now, some people, 
I want to make it clear. We'll say, well, is that Christ's name? No, that's not Christ's name because he, Christ was not born at this time, brothers and sisters. This was Christ in his preexistence. This was the angel of the Lord delivering what the Most High's name was, brothers and sisters. This was the Son, and we're going to prove it. That's why it's, 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 it's imperative that we understand that the angel of the Lord is not Michael. It's not Gabriel. It's not any other angel. Because if you start attributing these things to angels, then you're going to go down a dark path. Because why? Number one, the angel said this is holy ground. Right? So take your shoes off. Now, angels don't say this is holy ground. Take your shoes off. Because why? That's a form of worship. Taking your shoes off in somebody's presence is a form of worship. And we know angels did not receive worship. This was Christ, brothers and sisters. We're going to prove that. Let's go to John 6 and 46, brothers and sisters. This is the gospel of Christ. John 6, verse 46. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Right, he that is of God, which is who? Christ. So only Christ hath seen the Father, brothers and sisters. We needed to go right to the scripture because... That, that asked the question, who was that in Exodus 3, if that wasn't the Most High? And we're going to find out today, brothers and sisters, that was none other than Yeshua, who is Christ. Yeshua is Savior in the Hebrew, which he is. He is our Savior, Yeshua. We're going to go to Malachi 3 and 1, brother. To prove that this was Christ all throughout the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. So when people say they can't, you know... They believe in the Old Testament and they don't believe Christ. They don't believe the New Testament. You got to let them know. Christ is written throughout the Old Testament. So if you're really a scholar, you should know that Christ was written in the Old Testament. Because even the Pharisees then, they didn't understand how Christ was saying he was here before. They were thinking on a carnal level. So even though they agreed that we were Israel, they needed Christ to point out in the scriptures all the places that spoke to him, spoke of him. So that's what we're going to do today, brothers and sisters. We're going to read Malachi chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. Malachi 3, verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. Right. That's that. This messenger here is who? John, who prepared the way for who? Christ. Let's, let's read that one more time, brother. Verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. Even the what? The messenger of the covenant. Even the what? Messenger of the covenant. The messenger of the covenant. Who was the messenger of the covenant to Moses? This is Christ, brothers and sisters. See, Christ gave the covenant, gave the commandments to Moses, brothers and sisters. The old, te the, the, the old Testament or the old covenant, brothers and sisters. This was Christ. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Right. See? So this was Christ speaking. This is before he was Christ. He was the angel of the Lord, or Malaak. But he was speaking of himself when he... When he came into his manifestation of the flesh, brothers and sisters. That's why it says, even the messenger of the covenant to prove to you that that was Christ who delivered the covenant to Moses through, through the burning bush, brothers and sisters. 
without any shadow of a doubt, that was Christ. How do we know? Read the next scripture, brother, because this will, this will illuminate. Verse 2. But who may abide the day of his coming? Who may abide in the day of his coming? And who, who shall stand when he appeared? Right. So who, who, who are they speaking of, brothers and sisters? Who can stand in the day of whose coming? This is Christ, brothers and sisters, and this is in the Old Testament. Christ is written all throughout the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. So especially the brothers really have to get this because this particular knowledge is going to help open up and take you to a, another level, brothers and sisters. This is, a, is an advanced academy. This isn't milk right here. This is neat, brothers and sisters. We're going to do an extensive examination of Christ's resume, and we're starting here. Can you read the next scripture, brother? Verse 3. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi. So who could purify the sons of Levi or the priests? Only Christ. And purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old. And as in former years. See, so Christ would have to come to be a sacrifice for us because the Most High was no longer accepting animal sacrifice. So Christ came to be a mediator, a man of peace for the children of Israel because why? The Most High was at war with his people until Christ came, brothers and sisters. Uh, go to 1 Timothy 2 and 5 to prove that, brother. Just to buffer that point that Christ is all throughout the Old Testament. So a lot of people think, oh, because we don't call ourselves Christians, we don't believe in Christ. And that couldn't be further from the truth. We believe in Christ before he existed, when he existed, and his second coming. We believe in the truth of Christ, brothers and sisters, the truth. Christianity does not give you the full function of Christ. He does not get his full due. And we want to make sure as the children of Israel, we elevate and magnify the greatness of our big brother Christ. We're going to read 1 Timothy 2 and 5. 1 Timothy 2 and 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. Read that again. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. One mediator between the Most High and men. Who was the mediator? Who was the messenger of the covenant? Who delivered the name of the Most High and the mission to Moses? This was Christ, brothers and sisters. How do we know? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ. The man who? Christ. Right. See, brothers and sisters, Christ is the mediator. This is Christ throughout the whole Old Testament, brothers and sisters, as the angel of the Lord. We're going to prove that. We're going to Exodus 13 and 21. We're going to go back to Exodus to show you that Christ led us out of Egypt, brothers and sisters. That was Christ. That was nobody other than Christ. And the Bible is going to substantiate that, brothers and sisters. We're going to read Exodus chapter 13, verse 21 and 22. Exodus 13 and 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud. Right. Now we know this is Christ. Because why? The most, no man have seen the most high, brothers and sisters. The, the most high do not leave the throne, brothers and sisters. So this is Christ. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillow, pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. Right, so this was Christ as the cloud to lead us, brothers and sisters, in the fire. 
to illuminate and make sure we could see at night, brothers and sisters. This was Christ. So why do we go here? Because we're going to show the function of the angel of the Lord first. Then we will show the correlation between the angel of the Lord and Christ's commission, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, Brother Corey? Verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. This was Christ. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night. Right. But before the people. Right. See, before the people. What people? The children of Israel, all 12 tribes, brothers and sisters. This was Christ. This was Christ, and we're going to prove that without any shadow of a doubt, brothers and sisters. Christ had significance. He had importance before he walked the earth, brothers and sisters. So, you know, I'm bewildered at how many Israelites reject Christ. When Christ led us out of Egypt. When Christ was the death angel for Passover. This was Christ, brothers and sisters. We're going to prove it. We're going to Exodus 14 and 13. Further proof that that was Christ. Exodus 14, verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Why? Because this is Pharaoh, brothers and sisters, in his final attempt to slaughter the children of Israel. He reneged on his promise. After the death angel, he said he would allow us to leave, but he reneged on that promise of freedom, brothers and sisters, and brought full force of the Egyptian army into the wilderness in order to attack the children of Israel. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you, show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Right. The Egyptians you saw today, you would never see again. Look at how the Most High protect us. Look at how Christ is protecting us, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. Verse 14. The Lord shall fight for you. Read that again. The Lord shall fight for you. This is Christ, brothers and sisters. And ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me, speaking to the children of Israel, that they go forward? But lift thou up the, thy robe, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Right. So he said, draw to a rod, and the waters will part, brothers and sisters. This was the power of Christ, not the power of Moses. Moses had no power. This was the power of Christ, brothers and sisters. Without any shadow of a doubt, we're going to show. Continue, brother. Verse 17. And I behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. Right. So the Most High will receive, receive glory and adulation because the Egyptians at this time were the, uh, these were the supreme nation. They were ruling everything. So a God that could take down Egypt at that time is the true God. The same way Christ or the Most High raised up America. So he can smash him and show his power. If you could take down America, the greatest superpower today, then that have to be the true God. That's the plan. That's the purpose. Continue, brother. Verse 18. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. 
And the angel of God, which went before the camps of Israel. Read that again, brother. Verse 19. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel. So the angel of the Most High. This is Christ, brothers and sisters. This is, this is not the Most High. This is the angel of the Most High. This was Christ, brothers and sisters. And that's why it's important to know who the angel of the Lord is. Because if you attribute it to somebody else, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem for Christ, brothers and sisters. That's going to be a problem for you, too. Because nobody should be attributed with what Christ had done for us, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, Brother Corey? Verse 19. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went before their face right. and stood behind them. Right. So the cloud went from in front of them to behind them. For we're gonna read, we're gonna find out why. Verse twenty. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians. So it moved from in front of us to guide us to behind us. For what reason? And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them. But it gave light by night to these, so that the one that came not near the other all the night. Right. See, brothers and sisters, so it illuminated and made sure they could not sneak up on us. This was Christ, brothers and sisters. That cloud went from in front of us to behind us to protect us, brothers and sisters. This was Christ, without any shadow of a doubt. How do we know? First Corinthians, brothers and sisters, chapter 10, to prove that this was Christ. That that cloud that went in front and behind of us. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. So we read that that cloud was a defense. Let's find out who that cloud was. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant, how that all your fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Under the cloud, we just read about the cloud and passed through the sea. What sea? The Red Sea, brothers and sisters. Verse 2, and we're all baptized into the, the Moses in the cloud and in the sea. It says, and we're baptized unto Moses in the cloud and the sea. What does this mean, brothers and sisters? That we must go through the water. We went through the water to make it on the other side through Moses, which was a baptism. The same way we go through the water today to make it into Christ's kingdom. It's the same exact way, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, Brother Corey. Verse 2. And we're all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat. What meat was that? That was the manna that fell from heaven, brothers and sisters, to nourish us during our time in the wilderness. Christ was nourishing us from the beginning, brothers and sisters. How do we know? Verse 4. And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. That did what? That followed them. And that rock was Christ. What followed them, brothers and sisters? That cloud. Remember that rock that Moses struck and the water came thrusting out? That was Christ's power, brothers and sisters. And that's why Moses didn't make it into the kingdom. Because he started to, he started to fill himself. He started to act as if his power delivered the water to the children of Israel. And the Most High said, all right, Moses, you know, you, you know, you can cross that line. You're taking... You're accepting adulation based on something that Christ did. So because of that, you can't go into the land. I'll let you see it, but you're getting too big for your britches now. You Now you're trying to take the, the glory from Christ when this was Christ. Read that scripture one more time, brother. Verse 4. 
and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. Right, that spiritual rock. Remember, Moses struck that rock, brothers and sisters. The same power from that rock was who? And that rock was Christ. It was who? Christ. See? So, brothers and sisters, that cloud, the power of that cloud, that fire was Christ, brothers and sisters. That was Christ without any shadow of a doubt. That The water that nourished us, that was Christ's power. He told Moses to speak to the rock. Moses became, um, he, he was losing his patience, brothers and sisters. He became impatient and irritated. So out of frustration, he struck the rock. That was Christ's power, brothers and sisters. This was, Moses had no power. This was Christ's power, brothers and sisters. This was Christ that led us out of Egypt without any shadow of a doubt. How do we know? John chapter six, brothers and sisters. We have a plethora of precepts here, brothers and sisters, but if any lesson deserved it, it's this one. This is my my favorite lesson. Because why? Because it's about our Savior, Christ. John 6, verse 30. Further proof that that was speaking of Christ. They said, therefore, unto him, What signs showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What doest thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, That's, as it is written. That same spiritual meat. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 31. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Christ said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven. Read that again, brother. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven. But my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. Right. So the most high commanded that this that we be fed. And we're going to find out who was feeding us. Verse 33. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Right. And we know that was Christ, brothers and sisters. He that cometh down from heaven and giveth life to the world. That was Christ, brothers and sisters. Christ nourished us in the wilderness, brothers and sisters. Christ had a function in the Old Testament. The scriptures are substantiating that. The scriptures are giving us evidence of that right now, brothers and sisters. It was Christ who sustained us through the wilderness, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time? Verse 33. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. How, do we, how can we be sure this was Christ? Verse 34. Then said they unto him, Lord, Evermore give us this bread. And Christ said unto them, I am the bread of life. See, Christ was that bread, was that, that spiritual meat, brothers and sisters. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen me and believe not. You have seen me and believe not. Why? Because this was Christ in the Old Testament that our forefathers seen and saw. This was Christ, brothers and sisters. The Christian church will never go into this, brothers and sisters. That's why it's, in, it's imperative that all, you know, those who follow our church receive and absorb this particular information. Because you may not be able to use it right now, depending on where you are in your walk. But there will come a time where this particular knowledge will, will either help you grow, will help you fish, or keep you from going down a path of darkness, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Exodus 23 and 20. We needed to prove to you that that was Christ. That rock was Christ where the spiritual manna came down from heaven. 
the water that came thrusting through that rock, that was Christ. That cloud was Christ, brothers and sisters. We're going to Exodus 23 and 20. Exodus 23 verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. I bring, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way. This is bringing us into what? The promised land, the land of Israel, brothers and sisters. This was Christ. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way. And to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Read that again, brother. Verse 21. Beware of him and obey his voice. So at Mount Sinai, the Israelites, our people, brothers and sisters, were told that the angel of the Most High will accompany, accompany us into the land of Israel. Verse 21. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions. Read that again. For he will not pardon your transgressions. To show you that the angel of the Lord have power to pardon transgression or forgive sin. This is Christ, brothers and sisters. See, and that's the importance of knowing the angel of the Lord is Christ. Because if you believe this is Gabriel, or you believe this is Michael or somebody else, now <laughs> you're believing that, you know, celestial have the power to forgive. And nowhere has that ever been in scripture. We're going to show you who does have the power. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 21. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. For what? My name is in him. My name is in him. So the Most High's name was in this particular uh, angel. In this particular angel. The name of the Most High. What does that mean? This is who delivered the name of the Most High. Go to John 8.58, brother, to show you who had the name in him. John 8 and 58. Christ said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, but before Abraham was, I am. Read that again, brother. And Christ said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. He's telling you that that was him delivering the name, the messenger of the covenant. That Christ had a function before he manifested in the flesh. Before Abraham, brothers and sisters. That was Christ in the garden with Adam and Eve. That was Christ, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Because remember... It said this particular angel had the name in him. Verse 58. Christ said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. See, before Abraham was, Ahia. Christ was there in the beginning. Remember, the word was there in the beginning with the Most High. This is Christ, brothers and sisters. Without any shadow of a doubt, that angel of the Lord that's written up all throughout the Old Testament is Christ. And to prove that fact, the angel of the Lord is never mentioned after Christ is born. The angel of the Lord is never mentioned again after Christ is born. Because why? Now Christ is here in the flesh. So you will not find the angel of the Lord in the New Testament, brothers and sisters. You'll find angels, but you won't find angels of the Lord, which is a particular power, brothers and sisters, which is Christ. And we're going to show you Exodus 
23 and 20, brother. We're jumping back. Follow us, brothers and sisters. Exodus 23 and 20. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. So, brothers and sisters, this is confirmation that this particular angel is no low-ranking being, brothers and sisters. This is further confirmed when the Most High warns the children of Israel that he will not pardon your transgressions, brothers and sisters. Traditional angels do not, do not have power to pardon transgression, brothers and sisters. So this particular angel had the authority or the autonomy to forgive sin, brothers and sisters. Now we know angels did not have power to forgive sin, but one man did. And we're going to show you. We're going to Zechariah 3 verse 1. To show you that the angel of the Lord had autonomy or power to forgive sin. This is not a traditional angel, brothers and sisters. So not only did the angel of the Lord have the Most High's name in him, he also has the authority to forgive the breaking of laws, all of which suggests what? That he's who? That he's Christ, brothers and sisters. Further proof, we're going to show you more attributes of the angel of the Lord and then correlate that with Christ. Zechariah 3, verse 1. And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. Standing before who? The angel of the Lord. And Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was, was clothed with filthy garments. And stood before the angel. Now Joshua was clothed, he was clothed with filthy garments, brothers and sisters, and he stood before the angel of the Lord. Verse verse four. And he answered, and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. Read that again. Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. Right. Further proof, brothers and sisters, that the angel of the Lord had full authority to forgive sins. These are the ways that you prove who this is, brothers and sisters. The angel of the Lord had full autonomy to forgive sin. Can you read verse 4 one more time, brother? Verse 4. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. And I will clothe thee with ch the change of raiment. Right, because the filthy garments, brothers and sisters, show that, you know, it's indicative of what? Of sin, of transgression, brothers and sisters. You receive your wife once you go through the water, which was brought through who? Christ. That's the doctrine of Christ, brothers and sisters. Further proof that what? The angel have full autonomy or authority to what? To forgive sin. Can you continue, brother? Verse 5. And I said... Let them set a fair metri upon his head. And see, this is why usually the priest, the Levites, wore metri. It's not a turban, brothers and sisters. The metri have the crown open, but it's wrapped. But the crown is open, brothers and sisters. So you're not supposed to have your head covered. That's why the crown is open. So the Levites, the priest, 
usually wore Mitri's brothers and sisters. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 5. And I said, let them set a fair Mitri upon his head. So they set a fair Mitri upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. See, the angel of the Lord, brothers and sisters, this was Christ. Why do we know? Because this particular angel had authority to forgive sin. Who else had authority to forgive sin? Let's go to 1 John, brother, 6 and 8, to show you that Christ had that power. Not any angels. No angel had the power to forgive sin, brothers and sisters. 1 John 1, verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Christ, his son, cleanseth us from sin. See, the blood of Christ cleanses us from sin. We just spoke about a filthy garment. See, so Christ has the power, brothers and sisters, through the spirit of the most high to cleanse or to Purify, brothers and sisters. This is Christ. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Right. So this is further proof, brothers and sisters, that this was Christ, the angel of the Lord, who had the power to forgive iniquity and transgression and breaking of the law. Brothers and sisters, this is Christ without any shadow of a doubt. Any shadow of a doubt. Further proof. Matthew chapter 9 verse 1. Brothers and sisters. We're going to read 1 through 8, brother. Matthew 9 verse 1. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Christ, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. See? So Christ is now forgiven sin. Again, to show you that Christ had the power to forgive sin. Not Gabriel, not Michael, not anybody else, brothers and sisters. And this is the significance of knowing who the angel of the Lord is. Because if you start looking at this and start looking at angels as a way to forgive sin... That's going to be a problem, brothers and sisters, because now you're going to start worshiping angels. And that's where that's where it gets dark, brothers and sisters. By saying that this is Gabriel or Michael, or Michael, from the outside, it doesn't really look like it could lead to evil. But when a person believed that, what do they do? They go into the Bible and start looking at all the things the angel of the Lord did. And if they start to see the angel of the Lord receiving worship and forgiving sin, they may believe that they can go through this angel instead of through Christ. And that's the danger, brothers and sisters. That is the danger. This is Christ. Continue, brother. Verse 3. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Christ, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it's easier to say, Thy sin be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and walk. Right, so brothers and sisters, we went here to give authenticity to the fact that Christ had the power to forgive transgression. Not Gabriel, not Michael, not any other of the angels, brothers and sisters. Verse 6, but that ye may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. See, this is Christ. That was Christ, the angel of the Lord. It's evident, brothers and sisters, that this is Christ. 
Verse 6. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Further proof, brothers and sisters, that Christ had the power to overlook or forgive transgression, brothers and sisters. Not any of the angels. So it's imperative that we know who Christ is. What is his function in the Old Testament? What is his purpose in the New Testament? We're going to go through all of that today, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Luke chapter 5, verse 20. We're going to read 20 and 21, brother. Luke 5, verse 20. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. This is Christ, brothers and sisters. Christ, during his earthly ministry, not only forgave sins, but was criticized for trying to be God. Watch. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 20. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? See, so the Pharisees called Christ a blasphemer because he dared to pro proclaim a man forgiven. See, brothers and sisters? Uh, can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 21. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. So just as his just as his appearance as the angel of the Lord, brothers and sisters, Christ had full autonomy to forgive sin. Without any shadow of a doubt, brothers and sisters. It can't be disputed, brothers and sisters. This is Christ. Further proof, John, uh, excuse me, Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Excuse me. Joshua 5 and 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was, was by Jericho. Brothers and sisters, the account in this book of Joshua is very important. That he lift up his eyes and look, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord. Captain host of the Lord, brothers and sisters. This is a captain. He's in command, brothers and sisters. This is the head, chief angel of the Lord. This is Christ. We're going to prove it. Verse 14. And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship. Read that again. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? So look at this. Joshua is worshiping this particular angel. Now we know that traditional angels don't receive worship. But this angel didn't rebuke him. And that's significant, brothers and sisters. That is significant. Because normal angels refuse worship all throughout scripture. So this particular angel is different. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 14. And he said, Nay, but as, a cap but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship 
and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? Verse 15, And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoes from off thy foot. Read that again. Loose thy shoes from off thy foot. Brothers and sisters, examine this, because why? This is the same exact thing that the angel said to Moses. Loose your shoes off of your feet, because this is holy ground. To show you that this is the same angel, the captain of the Lord of hosts, the captain is the same as the angel of the Lord that delivered the name to Moses, brothers and sisters. Look at this. He's actually encouraging worship. He's telling him to remove his shoes, which means he didn't only tell, he didn't only not tell him not to worship. He encouraged him to worship. This is Christ, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 15. And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoes from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. See? So, brothers and sisters, Joshua worshipped the angel of the Lord, brothers and sisters. And the angel of the Lord did not stop him from worshipping. In fact, he actually encouraged Joshua to worship. These are the scriptures you would have to go to to prove who the angel of the Lord is, brothers and sisters. How do we know this is significant? Revelations 22 and 8. To prove to you that regular angels rebuke. When we try to worship them. Revelation 22 verse 8. And I John saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen I fell down. To worship before the feet of the angel. To do what? Worship before the feet of the angel. Which showed me these things. Then said he unto me. See thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant. Read that again. See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant. See, don't worship me. I'm a servant. I'm supposed to actually serve you. So angels, traditional angels, do not allow man to worship them, brothers and sisters. So this angel was different. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 9. Then said he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant. Right. So even though angels are supernatural beings, brothers and sisters, they are not the, the creator. So they remain created beings. They do not garner worship, brothers and sisters. But we know who did garner worship? Christ, and we're going to prove that. Verse 9. Then said he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. See? See, brothers and sisters, angels do not receive worship. So the angel of the Lord must have been somebody special. And that was Christ. Because why? Michael don't receive worship, brothers and sisters. Gabriel don't receive worship. None of the other angels receive worship, brothers and sisters. Only Christ, the angel of the Lord. The image of the invisible God. How do we know that? Matthew 28 and 9. To show you that Christ garnered worship. Rightfully so. Matthew 28 and 9. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Christ met them and saying, All hail. And they came and hailed him by the feet and worshipped him. Read that again, brother. Verse 9. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Christ met them saying, All hail. And they came and hailed him by, by the feet and worshipped him. See, so Christ, rightfully so, was the recipient of of worship brothers and sisters and he did not rebuke him how do we know that 
Read the next scripture, Brother Corey. Verse 10. Then said Christ unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. See? So he didn't stop them from worshiping him. See the correlation between Christ and the angel of the Lord, brothers and sisters? Scripture clearly substantiates that Christ was the beneficiary of what? Of righteous worship, brothers and sisters. This was Christ. The angel of the Lord was Christ. Without any shadow of a doubt, brothers and sisters. So, brothers and sisters, for a recap, just in case you're just joining the broadcast, today's lesson is the gospel of Christ. We are highlighting the purpose, the significance of Christ in the Old Testament in conjunction with his purpose in the New Testament, brothers and sisters. We're going to John chapter 10, verse 30. In the gospel. Follow us, brothers and sisters, please. John 10 and 30. This is Christ. I and my father are one. See, and this is why Christ can receive worship. Because he represent his father. He is not his father, but he represent his father, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 30. I and my father are one. Now look at what the Jews did after this. Verse 31. Then the Jews took up stones against to stone him. <laughs> this is our people, brothers and sisters. Because Christ said he and the father were one. The Jews were looking to stone him. As soon as that happened, they like, they ready. This is our people, brothers and sisters, to show you that just because somebody's an Israelite does not mean that they believe in Christ, number one, or that you can trust him, brothers and sisters. These were the Pharisees. These were our own people, brothers and sisters. Further proof that Christ was killed by the Edomites, the, the Romans, because he was crucified. Jews or Israelites, they stone. They don't crucify. So that's further proof that Christ was, was crucified through the, the power of the Romans. Can you read that one more time? Verse 30, brother. Verse 30. I and my father are one. Right. We needed to show you why Christ... Uh, you know, garners worship, brothers and sisters, as the angel of the Lord. We're going to go to John 5 and 26 because a Christian will see this and say, see, Christ is God. I, I knew it. Aha. No, this is not what this is saying, brothers and sisters. John 5 and 26. To, to give insight onto what that particular scripture means. John 5 verse 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so hath he given the Son to have life in himself. Two separate beings, brothers and sisters. Christ is separate from the Most High. He is not the Most High, brothers and sisters. And I know that if you're coming from Christian church or, you know, learn Christian theology, that may, that may skew how you've learned, brothers and sisters, because why? We were taught that Christ was God. Christ is not God, brothers and sisters. The Most High is the Most High and Christ is the Son. Can you read that again? Verse 26, for as the father hath life in himself, so hath he given the son to have life in himself. So he's not his father. He represents his father. Continue, brother. Verse 27, and hath given him authority to execute judgment so, also. So who gave him the authority? Did he give it to himself? Exactly. This is the father giving the authority, the autonomy to Christ. Can you read that one more time, brother? And hath given him authority to execute judgment also. Because he is the son of man. Right. So the most high have given Christ 
what? The authority to judge, to forgive sin, and to forgive, brothers and sisters, without any shadow of a doubt. We're going to prove that further by going to John 14. We're going to read verse, verse 8. John 14 and 8. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it, su and it sufficeth us. Philip is saying, Christ, show us the Father, and we can receive that. Verse 9, Christ said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hath thou not known me, Philip? He that, he, hath, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Read that again, brother. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? See, so if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. To show you that, that the angel of the Lord was Christ in representation of the Father. He delivered the name of the Most High. That was Christ. He led us out of Egypt, brothers and sisters. That was Christ. Read that one more time, Brother Corey, please. Verse 9. Christ saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how saith thou then, show us the Father? Right. So he's not the Father, but he represents his Father, brothers and sisters. If a man have a business, we always use this analogy. And he go out of town, but he teach his son how to run that business. While his father is out of town, his son will his his son will use the business or treat the business as the father taught him in place of his father. He will do the business exactly as his father taught him in representation of his father, brothers and sisters. How do we know that? Read the next scripture, brother. Verse ten. Believeth thou not that I am in the Father, right, and the Father in me? Read that one more time, brother. Believeth thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? Remember the angel of the Lord had his name in him. This is Christ. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 10. Believeth thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doth the works. This is why if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because he's not speaking of himself. He's speaking of what the Most High God, his Father, is commanding him to, to teach or to, 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 um, to preach, brothers and sisters. This is Christ. Uh, read verse 11, brother. Verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. See, so he's not the Father, but he represents his Father, brothers and sisters. Further proof, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. New Testament, brothers and sisters, follow us, please. Philippians 2 and 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God. Read that again. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. See, to be equal to means you need two. Further proof that Christ is not God, brothers and sisters, but he saw it to be, he thought it not robbery to be equal with the Most High. Why? Because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I've come to do his will, but not mine. So you seeing the Father is just, I mean, you seeing the Son is just like seeing the Father because he's going to carry out the Father's plans just as if the Father was doing it himself, brothers and sisters. So when you see the angel of the Lord, that's Christ representing the Father. That's not the Most High. The Most High never leave his throne. He's so majestic. He's so powerful and all-knowing. He don't ever leave the throne. He don't need to leave the throne. He sent angels. He sent Christ to do that for him. He sent us 
to do that work for him, brothers and sisters. The king never leave the castle. Go to Hebrews, brother, verse 1. Excuse me, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Excuse me. We're going to read 1 through 6, brother, please. Hebrews 1, verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Read that again. Hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son. Who was the angel of the Lord? That was Christ, brothers and sisters. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things. By whom also he made the world. See, Christ created the world. Who brought forth that light when he said, let there be light? That was Christ, brothers and sisters, before he manifested, before he manifests himself into the flesh, brothers and sisters. That was Christ. He created all things, heavenly and terrestrial and extraterrestrial, brothers and sisters, celestial and terrestrial. Continue, brother. Verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory. Remember Christ brought forth that light. Christ is the light brothers and sisters. Who being the brightness of his glory. And the express image of his person. The express image of the most high's person. And he, upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins. Sat down on the right hand of the, the majesty on high. See. Continue brother. Verse 4. Being made so much better than the angels. Read that again, brother. Being made so much better than the angels. Christ is on a different tier, brothers and sisters. He's top tier. Angels are tier below him. Couple tiers below him. Further proof that the angel of the Lord is Christ and not the Most High. And you should never get the two confused. You should never get the angel of the Lord confused with anybody else other than Christ, brothers and sisters. Because if you do, you're allocating worship and reverence to somebody who is not in position to receive that, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again, Brother Corey? Verse 4. Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. See? So Christ garners worship, brothers and sisters, not angels. So the angel of the Lord is not Michael, it's not Gabriel, it's not Lucifer, it's none of, there's nobody other than Christ. Brothers and sisters, that can only, only Christ can be substantiated through scripture. Uh, read the next scripture, brother. Verse five. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. So when have the most high ever said to an angel that they would be his son, his first begotten son or the heir? Never, brothers and sisters. So any ideology that claims it's righteous when an angel receives worship is highly Luciferian, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 5. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first, the first begotten into the world. First begotten means the firstborn. Christ was the firstborn because why? Remember, he created all things. The Most High pulled the Holy Spirit out of himself. The same way Adam pulled Eve out of himself. Well, the Most High pulled Eve out of Adam. And from the Holy Spirit and the Most High, we know the Holy Spirit is a feminine spirit came what? The Son. 
which is Christ. This is this is all throughout the Bible, brothers and sisters. Can you read that next uh, that scripture again, brother, please? Verse six. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. Read that again, brother. And let all the angels of God worship him. Christ garners the worship, not angels, brothers and sisters. And that's the importance of knowing that the angel of the Lord is not an angel. Why? Because the angel actually received worship from Joshua and from Moses. So we know that the angel of the Lord is actually Christ before he was born in the spiritual, brothers and sisters. That's the importance of Christ. That's the significance of Christ. Christ have nourished us from before he was even born, brothers and sisters. He, he led us out of Egypt. He delivered the law, the covenant to Moses. This was Christ. The whole, the whole shebang, brothers and sisters, was Christ. Further proof. We're going to go to Daniel chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. We're going to talk about Nebuchadnezzar and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three Israelites, brothers and sisters. Daniel chapter 3, we're going to read 1 through 6. Further proof that the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is none other than Christ. Daniel 3, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was threescore cubits, and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. So Nebuchadnezzar had a golden image that he commanded uh, the citizens of that particular land to worship. Verse 2, then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Right, so now he have a, a molten image of himself that he once worshipped, brothers and sisters. Verse 3, then the princes, the governors, and captains, the judges, the treasurers and the counselors, the sheriffs and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together to the, to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then and, then and herald cry aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet... Read, that, read that one more time, brother. Verse 5. That at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and the, king, the kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. So when you hear this particular music all throughout the land, you are supposed to fall down and worship this image, brothers and sisters. This was Nebuchadnezzar. This was government, brothers and sisters. This was government. When you hear this sound, I want you to pledge allegiance to the flag. See, brothers and sisters, and we know that Hebrews are told what? Exodus 20, thou shalt not bow down to any other gods. You are God's creation. You don't put your knee on the ground for nobody and nothing other than Christ. That's, that's how valuable you are to the Most High. Read, brother, please. Verse 6, and whoso falleth not down and whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fierce furnace. Right. So if you don't bow down to this Nebuchadnezzar's molten image, then you should be burned in a furnace, brothers and sisters. 
So there was three brothers, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who refused. We're going to show you. Go to verse 12, brother. Verse 12. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Now, this was Babylon, modern-day Iraq, brothers and sisters. Now, anybody who knows Israelites know Israelites do not like to be forced into anything at all. They do not like ultimatums because we're stiff-necked people. Right or wrong, we do not like ultimatums, brothers and sisters. It's proven all throughout scriptures. Can you read verse 12, brother? Verse 12. There are certain Jews whom thou hast sent over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So, um, you know, the princes, the counselors, the sheriffs, they, they, they understood that these Jews would not bow down. So what did they do? They went, they were neighborhood watch. They went and they told uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, well, listen, there's three brothers, um, three Jews, three Israelites, and they, they're not bowing down to worship this particular idol. Continue, brother. Verse 13. Actually, jump to verse 19, brother. Verse 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and so Abednego. So his, his face was angry. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was more than it was wont to be heat. Right. So he said, I want you to get that furnace hot and ramp it up seven times more powerful than traditionally. Continue, mother. Verse twenty. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the burning fierce furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fierce furnace. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 21. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fierce furnace. Throw their belongings into the furnace. Verse 22. Therefore, because the king's commanded, commandment was urgent, and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the men who were supposed to deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fire was so fierce, so fiery, that it consumed them just upon getting close. Verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning fierce furnace. So they were thrown into this furnace, brothers and sisters. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake, and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? Right, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were cast into this fire, brothers and sisters, for what? For refusing to worship an idol, brothers and sisters. Nebuchadnezzar wanted what the Bible calls idolatry from these children of Israel, and they refused. Because of that, they were cast into the fire, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, rather? Verse 24. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. So they, they're like, Didn't we throw three men in the fire? Verse 25. He answered and said, Lo, 
I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire. They have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Further prove that the angel of the Lord is Christ, brothers and sisters. He said, we threw three people into this furnace. Why do I see four? And why are they loose just walking around? So, brothers and sisters, the, the Most High protected them, kept them unharmed for their faith, brothers and sisters, for their faith. And Christ was there protecting them to show you that Christ, since the beginning, have been protecting us, brothers and sisters. So it's a shame when when people reject Christ, when they don't know, especially the children of Israel, when Christ have, you know, have done so much for the children of Israel since the beginning, before he actually was Christ in the, the, the flesh, brothers and sisters. In the spiritual realm, he protected. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 25. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. It's like the Son of God. Further proof that that angel is Christ, brothers and sisters. Now, we want you to examine this because a lot of times the Most High is not going to save you from the fire. He'll bring you through the fire. That's what it is, brothers and sisters, because they still were thrown into the fire. So he's not going to always stop it before it go down, but he will bring you through it to build your faith, brothers and sisters. Right? Because a lot of people expect a miracle outside the fire. They could have been expecting a miracle before they were tossed in the fire. You would think that God would save you before things went too far, but nope. The miracle happened in the fire. So when you're in your lowest, you're in your lowest state. When you're struggling, that's when he's going to bring you through. He might not stop it from going awry, but he'll bring you through that adversity, brothers and sisters. And this is even stronger biblical confirmation of Christ's presence in the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother, please. One more time. Verse 25. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Right. So we've we've gone through the Old Testament, brothers and sisters, show Christ's function in the Old Testament. Because why? When Christ was walking around, there was no New Testament, brothers and sisters. There was only an Old Testament. So Christ actually taught himself out of the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. And that's what we, we want to help equip our brothers and sisters to be able to do the same thing, brothers and sisters. Now, we're going to deal with why did he come? What was his purpose of coming in the flesh? We're going to go to Isaiah 7 and 14. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, brothers and sisters. Verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, this is a prophecy of Christ, brothers and sisters. It says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. A virgin, brothers and sisters. This is a prophecy of Christ, but a lot of people do not know that virgin in the Bible doesn't mean what it means in American society, in Western world philosophy. Virgin have nothing to do with intercourse, brothers and sisters, and we're going to prove that because you need to know in order to get the grasp, the full understanding of who Christ is. If you believe Christ did not have a physical father, you have been deceived. 
And we're going to show you. We're going to go into the Bible Dictionary, Zondervan Bible Dictionary. We're going to get the definition of virgin, brothers and sisters. Read the first definition, brother, please. Virgin, a young unmarried woman. What page is that, brother? On page 600. Page 600 in the Zondervan Bible Dictionary. Virgin, what's the first definition? A young unmarried woman. A young unmarried woman. Now, go to the second definition, brother, because this is where it gets interesting. A young woman of marriageable age, whether married or not. So, virgin means a young woman of marriageable age, whether married or not. So, this means a young woman in her flowers, a woman who's able to have a child, a woman that's going through her menstrual cycle. That's what a virgin is. Doesn't matter whether you had intercourse or not, because there was women being called virgins after they had already had children. To show you that it's not indicative of what? Of intercourse, brothers and sisters. So why would the Christian church want you to believe that Christ does not have a physical father? Because that's paganism, brothers and sisters. That's paganism. Christ had a physical father, brothers and sisters, without any shadow of a doubt. The word virgin in the Bible just means a young woman who's, who's, who's experiencing her flowers, her cycle. That's, that's what a virgin is. Has nothing to do with intercourse, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Uh, the second one? Uh, yes, sir. A young woman of marriageable age, whether married or not. Whether married or not. Now you need to know what marriage is according to the Bible. Because the Christian church don't teach that. What is marriage according to the Bible? Because to understand this particular definition, you would need to know what marriage is. A young woman of marriageable age, so that's a young girl, is automatically called a virgin, whether she's had intercourse or not. Further proof that a virgin can never be a man. A virgin is a woman, is a female, never a man. There's no such thing as a man that's a virgin. Go to the definition of marriage in the Bible, brother. Tell us what page it is, and please read the highlighted. Page 345. Marriage is an intimate, personal union to which a man and woman consent, consummated and continuously nourished by sexual intercourse. Read that again. Consummated and continuously nourished by sexual intercourse. Intercourse, brothers and sisters, is viewed as marriage to the, to the most high, brothers and sisters. Not you signing papers, um, you know, to the government. When you make a, a covenant with a brother or a sister to lay down, understand, as a brother, it's your responsibility to provide for that woman for the rest of your natural life. Because if you wasn't ready for that, you should have never laid down. This is serious, brothers and sisters. Marriage. This is marriage. Not when you walk down the aisle and... None of that's in scripture, brothers and sisters. That's the way the church wanted to say, listen, we need to be involved. You need to come pay us to, um, you know, uh, help you exchange vows. Brothers and sisters, the people who, um, who, who do the marriages, who perform the actual marriages, the, 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 the words that they're reading are not coming out of the Bible. Brothers and sisters, and if you ask the ordained ministers, they'll tell you that they got their pup, their their power, their authority from the government. A lot of them didn't learn at the YMCA, brothers and sisters. A lot of these men are not even uh, f physical pastors. They're not even churchgoers. They're doing this for side money, brothers and sisters. He he learned how to be a, ch a chaplain at the YMCA, brothers and sisters. 
This has nothing to do with Christ, brothers and sisters. It's imperative online. It's imperative that our brothers and sisters understand what marriage is. So we've gone into what a virgin is. A virgin is what? It's a young woman of marriageable age. What is marriage? Read it one more time, brother. Is an intimate personal union to which a man and woman consent consummated and continuously nourished by sexual intercourse. Continuously nourished. So just because you had a one night stand, that's not marriage. Continuously nourished. Further proof of that is if you get married in the eyes of society, if you do not consummate that marriage with intercourse in the first 24 hours, that marriage can be annulled. Now, what's the importance of knowing what true marriage is? Because in the eyes of the Western world, if you're married through documentation or paperwork, if there's a divorce, God forbid, a splitting up, money is now being divvied up. Well, you, now you got to pay alimony, brother, to this to this sister. You need to take care of her. Or the sister, sometimes sisters make more money. So now they're paying alimony, the brothers who don't want to work. See, what else happens? In the, the law, um, in the penal code, a, a, a wife and a husband are not allowed to do what? To testify against each other. So if a man had been beating and raping his wife, his wife can't then go to court and testify against her husband. Because why? You have that, that through signing that documentation, you're one. So now you can't testify against each other. This man could be abusing her, raping her, and she can't even go to court and testify. What they can do is they can put, pull up evidence, pictures and stuff, but she cannot get on the stand and say what happened to her physically. Why? Because there's confidentiality as husband and wife. These things are not of the Bible, brothers and sisters. These things are not of the Bible. This has nothing to do with what Christ or, or what the Most High wanted marriage to signify. It's not because why? When you're married, you're in a different tax bracket now. It's all about that money, brothers and sisters, as it pertains to the government. Uh, marriage license, when they were first established, it was after what? The abolishment of slavery. If, if, you know, the abolishment of slavery. Because why? There was too many black men marrying white women. So they needed a way to kind of keep control and keep tabs on who was marrying who, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Marriage is an intimate personal union to which a man and woman consent. Man and woman, to show you that marriage can't be between man and man, or woman and woman, by definition. So now they've taken the word marriage and twisted it all up. Uh, consummated and continuously nourished by sexual intercourse. But this is the other part. Don't forget this part. And perfected in a lifelong partnership of mutual love and commitment. See, so just because you met a girl or a brother at the club and you went home in a sinful act, that don't make you married. Because why? There must be an understanding, a covenant that we're going to work together in a lifelong bond. That's marriage, brothers and sisters. You sit down, you have a conversation with the brother or with the sister and say, this is what I want. Can we get into the kingdom together? Can we work together to build a legacy together? Read that one more time, brother, from the top. Marriage is an intimate personal union to which a man and woman consent, consummated and continuously nourished by sexual intercourse, and perfected in a lifelong partnership of mutual love and commitment. Now, if our people understood that this is what marriage was, we would treat it differently. Because a lot of young brothers, we um, grow up to believe that I can cheat 
until I walk down that aisle. It's not really cheating. I'm just getting it out real quick. I'm just trying to get over it so I can know. You're held responsible when you lay down with that woman. Sisters, you are responsible to treat that man as your husband when you lay down with that brother. Or you shouldn't have been laying down according to scripture. Now, when you say this to older generation, they'll say, oh, no, 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 no. Every person you bring up in my house, you're not married to. Now, your grandparents will tell you that. That ain't marriage. You better walk down the aisle. And the, the, the significance is you need to know before you walk down the aisle that the decision that you make is a lifelong covenant, brothers and sisters. A lifelong covenant. If young brothers and young sisters understood, when I lay down, this is supposed to be the man I'm supposed to be with for the rest of my life. Not, well, I didn't really like him, you know, he didn't get a haircut for a month, so I really, you know, I didn't like, well, yeah, I didn't like how she looked without her makeup on. Brother, that's too late, brother. That's too late. You're going to take care of her for the rest of her life, period. Hey, hey, you shouldn't. Don't, don't jump out there in those waters. Brothers and sisters, if you're not willing to make this thing work, we needed to show you what the definition of marriage was according to the Bible. Because what? Virgin is a young woman, whether married or not. So whether she had intercourse or not, she's still a virgin. They're calling, they still call Mary the virgin. Mary, do you know she had a multitude of children after Christ? But they're still calling her virgin because they understand that virgin have nothing to do with intercourse. Brothers and sisters, at all. What did they do? They said, okay, we'll use that word virgin because we can kind of twist it a little bit and make people believe it actually means that Mary didn't have a husband, which is paganism. If you believe that Mary didn't have a husband and God got her pregnant, then you're easy to control. You believe something you've never seen or even can't even fathom in life, but you'll believe that. (laughs) You believe Christ had no father and, and Mary... Uh, just woke up one day and went to her husband, went to Joseph like, I don't, I don't know what happened. Now, come on, brothers and sisters. What is a brother going to say if a, if a sister walk in here saying she ain't never dealt, but yes, she's pregnant. That don't even make sense, brothers and sisters. And the most high God is not the author of confusion. And these are the stories that cause men to stop following the Bible because how can you have a child without a father? These are the things that cause people to not follow the Bible, brothers and sisters. This is paganism. This is highly Luciferian. And we're going to prove it to you that marriage have nothing to do with it. Uh, uh, marriage have everything to do with intercourse. We're going to go to Genesis 24 and 63. We're going to the beginning. Further proof that what that definition said, consummation of the flesh is is in scripture the beginning of marriage. The ceremony actually came after the intercourse, brothers and sisters, in an ancient Phoenician Hebrew in an in a, in a ancient Hebrew marriage. And we do have a lesson on that. It's called the protocols of marriage. If you want to understand the proper etiquette of an ancient Phoenician Hebrew, excuse me, uh, ancient Hebrew marriage, check that out if you ever get the chance, brothers and sisters. If you're interested, we're going to go to Genesis 24 and 63 to prove to you what marriage is. Genesis 24 and 63. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she lighted off her camel. For she had said unto the servant, 
What man is that walketh in the field to meet us? So she had never seen Isaac before, but there was already an arrangement for her to be Isaac's wife. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 65. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore, she took a veil and covered herself. Because why? A woman is supposed to be shamefaced in front of her man. That's where the veil comes from, brothers and sisters. Continue. Verse 66. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. Read that again. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. This is the first time they've ever laid eyes on each other, brothers and sisters. And took Rebekah. And did what? Took Rebekah. And she became his wife. See? He took Rebecca. Now, this is not going to be extremely graphic, brothers and sisters. This is the Bible. But he took Rebecca, and then she became his wife after he took her to show you that the ceremony is optional, brothers and sisters. There was no... There, listen, was there a chaplain in the tent? <laughs> like, okay, uh, exchange of vows. We're grown. We know what went on in the tent, brothers and sisters. Was there somebody in there saying, walk down the aisle? Was there somebody in there throwing a bouquet? No. So we just we just deal with what we can substantiate through the Bible. And this is marriage according to the Bible. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 67. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah. And she became his wife. And he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. He took her. He loved her. She became his wife, brothers and sisters. Further proof that what Zondervan Bible Dictionary said, that marriage was an interpersonal union consummated through the flesh in a lifelong covenant to work together. This is marriage according to the Bible, brothers and sisters. So when, you land, when you're thinking about consummating, you should understand the significance of it, brothers and sisters. There's significance behind this. You cannot just be out flesh peddling. You can't just be out there, brothers and sisters, because you you have responsibility, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Ruth 4 and 13 to buffer that point, brothers and sisters, of what marriage is as according to Scripture. Ruth 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth. Read that again. So Boaz took Ruth. Read that again. So Boaz took Ruth. Same verbiage. And she was his wife. See? He took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went in into her. And when he went into her, that's how he took her. The Lord gave her conception and she bare a son. She got pregnant, brothers and sisters. To prove to you that marriage is solidified after the intercourse. Whether there's a ceremony or not, doesn't really matter. The ceremony is not what constitutes a marriage. It's the interpersonal union the covenant made between a woman and a man consummated through flesh, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. See, now I'm not, I do, I'm not encouraging brothers and sisters to go home and tell their parents this, because they don't want to hear this. They don't even want to give you the chance to go to the scriptures. You a fornicator. That's what you are. That's what they're going to tell you, brothers and sisters. They don't want to hear this because to them, in their mind, you're saying that whoever you sleep with is your wife or your husband. You got brothers bringing different women home to their mama basement every day. Like, yeah, this is my wife. This is my wife. She's like, you met her at the club. 
I got two, three wives. <laughs> no, that's not your wife. You're a fornicator, brother. Your wife or your husband is a person that you have created a covenant with to be together forever and consummated through the flesh, brothers and sisters. Not just somebody you pick up off the street, sleep with him, and never see him again. It said continuously nourished through intercourse, brothers and sisters. This is the Bible, brothers and sisters. So I don't, I'm not sure what Christians are teaching out there, but it's definitely not coming out the Bible, brothers and sisters. If you want to rebel, this is how you rebel, by using the Bible. Because why? You're not celebrating holidays, you're not eating certain foods, you're not worshiping on the first day of the week. All the things that the rest of the world is doing. So if you actually want to rebel against something, this is how you rebel. You rebel against the government structure. You rebel against the world, against society, by going against everything that they want you to do, brothers and sisters. This is actually the rebels. The rebels actually follow the Bible. Because everybody else is following Satan, eating up pork, crab, shrimp, lobster, celebrating all types of holidays, not observing the Sabbath. You're not a rebel. You're everybody else. We're the rebels here. We're the ones rebelling against society. Now, why do we go here to show what marriage was? Because you're going to need to know what marriage is for this next scripture. Go to Matthew 1 and 1, brother. Now that we know what a virgin is, now that we know what marriage is, now we can go to Matthew to show you Christ's birth. Matthew 1 and 1. The book of the generations of Christ, the son of David. The son of Abraham. Now, this is going into the lineage of Christ, brothers and sisters. Notice it says the son of David, the son of Abraham, because why? The seed passed through the father. Whatever the father is, so is his children. And that's how it is. That's why it's usually the son that carry on the lineage. Because why? He is who his father is. Because he had the living organism in it. If there's a woman, she is who her father is too. But if she have a child, that child is not the same lineage of the father. He's, or she is the lineage of her husband now. See, so the DNA can change. That's why it doesn't go through the woman. It goes through the man. The man is his father, who is his father, who is his father. And it's the same DNA, brothers and sisters. A woman, when she have a child, it's not the same DNA as her father. It's the same DNA as her husband. So that's the difference. We're going to prove it. Read verse 1 again, brother. Verse 1. The book of the generations of Christ. The son of David. Christ was the son of David. How could he be the son of David if he didn't have a father? Hmm. Think about this, brothers and sisters. Verse 2. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brother. Right. So look at how it's going from son to uh, father to son, because this is how you pass on the throne, brothers and sisters. This is how you keep a bloodline. You are who your father is. Your father is who his father is. So you are who your great-grandfather is, brothers and sisters. And we are the great-grandchildren of the children of, uh, of Israel. That's who we are, through the blood, brothers and sisters. Abraham begot Isaac. So he had Isaac as a son. Isaac had Jacob. And we know Jacob had Judah, who was what? The Jews. Who David, king of the Jews. Christ, king of the Jews. We're going to show you. Read verse 3, brother. Verse 3. And Judah begat Pharaohs and Zara of Tamar, and Pharaohs begat Eshram, and Eshram begat Aram. So you get the understanding that this is going through the lineages. It said Christ, the son of David. We're going to show you how he was the son of David. Jump to verse 16, brother, please. Verse 16. 
And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary. Read that again, brother. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary. Husband of Mary? Why is it calling Joseph her husband? If they never had intercourse. That's why you needed to know, brothers and sisters, what marriage is. Because why is this particular passage calling Joseph her husband if they never had intercourse? Exactly. Joseph was Christ's father without any shadow of a doubt, brothers and sisters. Without any shadow of a doubt. Christ's physical father was Joseph. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 16. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Christ, who was called who is called Christ. Right. See, brothers and sisters, this was Christ who was the son of David. How was he the son of David? Because Joseph was the son of David. Joseph was lineage of the kings. This is this. What we're reading here is the lineage of the kings from David, David and Goliath. We know he was the king and these were his son after his son after his son. And it led down to Joseph who is. So Joseph is now what? The son of David. Therefore, his son, who is Christ, would be the son of David. Read verse 1 again, brother. Verse 1. The book of the generations of Christ, the son of David. The what? The son of David. The son of David. Christ was the son of David. How? Jump back to 16, brother. Verse 16. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary. So Joseph was son of David. That's how Christ was son of David. Because David was his great-great-grandfather, brothers and sisters, through his loins. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 16, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Christ. See, further proof that Christ had a physical father and his name was Joseph. And Joseph never gets love in the Christian church. They talk about he like he a stepdad, he, he a third wheel or something. No, that's Christ's father. And Joseph was lineage of the kings, according to the Bible. So Joseph wasn't just some ordinary man. He was the lineage of the kings. Only problem was we were underneath the Romans at this time, so we didn't have a king. But if, if we did have a king, Joseph would have been on that throne, brothers and sisters. Further proof. Luke 2 and 4, brothers and sisters. The lineage of Christ. How was, how was Joseph the son, of, or how was Christ the son of David? Because his father, Joseph, was the son of David. Luke 2 verse 4. And Joseph also wept went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Because what? He was of the house and lineage of David. See, Joseph was of the house and lineage of David, brothers and sisters, to show you how Christ was a son of David. Because why? His father, Joseph, was of the house and lineage of David. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 4, and Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. See, so without any shadow of a doubt, Christ had a physical father. Now I sit back and I ask a Christian, show me where it says you have to believe Christ didn't have a father to make it into the kingdom of heaven. And then just wait. And just keep waiting and just keep waiting and keep waiting because there's no scripture that says Christ did not have a physical father, brothers and sisters. Christians play that on you because they know you're not, you're unlearned. And we don't say that as a, you know, as a derogatory thing. You just don't know. You only have knowledge of what you've been exposed to. So they haven't exposed you to this, brothers and sisters. This is paganism. 
They have Christians believing that Christ did not have a father. If Christ didn't have a father, how is he the king of the Jews? Mm-hmm. doesn't have a father. Exactly. And that's what they want you to believe. They want you to believe, number one, that Christ is God. He doesn't have a father, and he's white. So God is white. That's really what they wanted to get down to. <laughs> they really wanted you to just know that Christ is God, he didn't have a father, and he's white. That's really what they wanted, brothers and sisters. See? So we needed to show you that David... Or, or Joseph was the son of David. And guess who was the son of Joseph? Christ, without any shadow of a doubt. Further proof, John 6 and 42. It was common knowledge that Christ's father was Joseph, brothers and sisters. We're going to prove that. It was common knowledge. John 6, verse 42. And they said, Is not this Christ the son of Joseph? Read that again. Is not this Christ the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he said, I came down from heaven? See, so they didn't understand either. They're like, how is he saying he's the son of God when his father's Joseph? So we got it flipped around. Now we're saying he didn't have a father. Back then, they were trying to comprehend how he's saying he's the son of God. When we know his daddy, his daddy carpeted down the street. We know him. See, it was common knowledge that Joseph was Christ's father, brothers and sisters. Through the flesh, he was the son of Joseph. Through the spirit, he was the son of the most high. His spirit. That word from the beginning that brought forth the light, the, 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 the angel of the Lord, that was Christ in the spiritual realm, but he had a father. And that makes his significance that much more, because if he wasn't God and he did have a father, that means he felt pain. That means he went through temptation. See, if, he, if he's God incarnate and he come down, then how is him living without sin? How does that help me? He was God. He's supposed to live without sin. Christ was not God. He was a man. He had a physical father. He was tempted with with temptation, brothers and sisters. He was a man. Every mark that he felt, every whipping, every lash, and every stripe, the the thorn of crowns, uh, excuse me, the crown of thorns on his head, he felt all of this. This understanding Christ this fashion makes it so much, so much greater, brothers and sisters. Because why? We see that he actually suffered. If he's God, then he's not really suffering. Because why? He doesn't feel any of this pain. He's God. Christ was not God, brothers and sisters. He was a man of color just like you. And he had a father. So they have lied on Christ, brothers and sisters. And Christ is going to be pretty upset when he comes back. Pretty upset, brothers and sisters. And I see why. I can see why. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 42. And they said, Is not this Christ, the son of Joseph? Whose father and mother we know. Further proof that Joseph was the father of Christ through the flesh, through the seed. We're almost done, brothers and sisters. We need to get these scriptures out because Christ deserves his recognition. And we're going to give it to him. We're going to Jeremiah 31 and 12. Further proof that the word virgin had nothing to do with intercourse. Because the word virgin is all throughout the Bible and had nothing to do with intercourse. So when you tell a Christian this... They're going to be shocked initially because they were always taught of what? The Immaculate Conception, which that word is not in the Bible at all. But you know what it means as soon as somebody says it, mm-hmm. right? These are the, this is the philosophy that's coming, that's emanating out of the Catholic Church, brothers and sisters, the Christian Church. Further proof that the word virgin have nothing to do with intercourse. Jeremiah 31 verse 12. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion. 
and shall flow together to the goodness of the Lord for wheat and for wine and for oil and for the young of the flock and of the herd. And their souls shall be as watered garden and they shall not sorrow any more at all. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance. Read that again. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance. So you have two options. Either this is saying a young woman or it's saying a woman who haven't had intercourse before. Does that fit? Then the women who've never had intercourse before rejoice and dance. How does that? <laughs> see, that doesn't even make sense, does it? No. Exactly. So that's why you must study yourself. You must study to show thyself approved. Now, if this is saying young woman, does it match? Read it again, brother. By the context clues. Remember that? Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, both young men and old further, together. Further proof that this is talking about the young women. Because why? It said young men. To show you, it's talking about young women and young men rejoicing in the dance. Not a woman who haven't had intercourse. How would you know that a woman that never had intercourse is dancing right now? How would you know that? See, and that's why we must study this word, brothers and sisters. Because if you allow Satan to deceive you, he will. And he's going to use those who call themselves Christian to do so. Read that again, brother. Verse 13. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, both young men and old together. For I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and make them rejoice from their sorrow. See, then shall the young women and the young men, both old and young, come together. This is what this is saying. So when it talks about a virgin shall conceive, it's saying a young woman shall conceive. Not a woman who's never had intercourse, brothers and sisters. You cannot substantiate that through scripture. And that's why we needed to illuminate, um, you know, Christ's purpose, uh, his function in the Old Testament. Because there's, there's, there's a myriad of lies that's out there hovering around Christ, brothers and sisters, being perpetrated through Christians. We're going to go to Lamentations. 1 and 18, further proof that that word, virgin, have nothing to do with intercourse, as it pertains to this scripture. Lamentations 1 and 18, the Lord is righteous, for I have rebelled against him, against his commandments. Here I pray you, all people, and behold my sorrow. My virgins and my young men are gone into captivity. So is he saying that all the girls who never had intercourse, they're going into captivity? Is that what he's saying? Or is he saying the young women and the young men as it, look at how it's correlated. Every time it says, not every time, but majority of the time it says virgin, it says young men. Because this is talking about young women and young men. That's what this is talking about, brothers and sisters. That's what this is talking about. This has nothing to do with intercourse. He's not saying, okay, all the women who, who haven't had intercourse, you go into slavery. Doesn't make any sense, brothers and sisters, at all. Read it again one more time, brother, please. Verse 18. The Lord is righteous, for I have rebelled against his commandment. Here I pray you, all people, and behold my sorrow. My virgins and my young men are gone into captivity. See, so we needed to go there, brothers and sisters, so you could understand that now that you realize that virgin actually does not mean somebody who haven't had intercourse, now you have to re-examine the whole Bible. Because everything was based off of that lie that they told. How could that? How could how can we be so deceived, brothers and sisters? How could a Christian church, the Catholics, get us to believe this? It's because we we stop studying, brothers and sisters, and it's time to to pick these Bibles back up, brothers and sisters, and gain back your knowledge. You are the children of Israel. This is your record, and you should know it better than anybody. We're going to go to Genesis twenty four and forty three. 
We got about, we got a couple more scriptures. This lesson is very extensive. It's very thorough and detailed because of it. it's about Christ. So we have to do our due diligence. Genesis 24 and 43. Behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin cometh forth to draw water, I say to her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water of thy pitcher to drink. Now, if this is saying a woman who haven't, haven't had intercourse, does it make sense? Behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when a woman who haven't had intercourse cometh forth to draw water, I'll say to her, Give me thee, I pray thee. So how could he know that this sister have never had intercourse before if he's just walking? Right. He can't see that, but what he can see is she's a young woman. Further proof that virgin simply means young woman. Have nothing to do with intercourse, brothers and sisters. So now, so now, brothers and sisters, we're going to go into the evidence of what Christ's objective was when he walked the earth. This is our last segment of the lesson. What was Christ's purpose? Why did he come? We read what he did in the Old Testament. We read about the prophecies concerning his birth. Now, what was his purpose to walk in the flesh, brothers and sisters? What was his purpose? Why did Christ come? Why? We're going to read it. We're going to Psalms 50 and 5. We're on the last leg of this lesson, brothers and sisters. We've proven what Christ's function was in the Old Testament. We proved the truth concerning his birth. And now, the prophecies that he fulfilled, brothers and sisters. Psalms chapter 50. We're going to read verse 5. Psalms 50, verse 5. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. See, the saints are the children of Israel, not Saint Mary and Saint Paul and all these other saints that they just be giving names to in the Christian church. They do this all the time. Well, this is Saint so-and-so, Saint Peter. Those are not saints. The saints are, read it again. Gather my saints together unto me. Those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Right. Who was that? The children of Israel sacrificed to the Most High, brothers and sisters, for their sins. I had a brother tell me, well, during that time, everybody was sacrificing. Not the way we were. Other people were sacrificing for blessings. So they were sacrificing animals and people for blessings from Satan. We were sacrificing for sins that we did. So there's, it's completely different. You can't put the two in the same sentence, brothers and sisters. We sacrificed for transgressions, for sins that we were doing. Other people, Egyptians, they were actually sacrificing and killing animals and people so they can be blessed. That's not what the children of Israel do, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother. Verse 5. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Made a covenant by sacrifice. What does that mean? We're going to go to Exodus 24 and 3 to show you what was that covenant of sacrifice. We're going to read 3 through 5, brother. Exodus 24, verse 3. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord hath said will we do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. Right, see, peace offerings. So because of sin, we had to offer sacrifices, brothers and sisters. It says, 
And he sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen. So we what we did what we sacrificed animals for our sin. So the most high could be at peace with us, brothers and sisters. So if we sin, what we would do is we would have to sacrifice an animal for that. Why? Because there's no redemption without blood, brothers and sisters. A blood sacrifice was a a vividly illustrated um, it was vividly illustrated because we needed to know the seriousness of sin brothers and sisters with sin death was was constructed so when you sin there actually have to be death with it so the most high wanted to show us that when you sin death must come blood must be shed so he allowed a substitute for us to sacrifice animals now, our people, of course, they started going off with this, and we're going to show you how, but we needed to show you that what? The children of Israel made a covenant by sacrifice, which meant that we sacrificed for peace offerings. So, when we knew that we had sinned or we had transgressed, we had to sacrifice an animal to the Most High, because we needed to know the significance, the seriousness of sin, that the wages of sin were death. And we're going to prove that, brother. Go to Romans 6 and 23. We're almost done here, brothers and sisters. Bear with us. Why were we sacrificing animals as a peace offering? Romans 6 and 23. For the wages of sin is death. Read that again, brother. For the wages of sin is death. See, that's why. So in order, instead of killing us, which we deserve for the sin, he allowed a substitute of an animal. That's showing his grace and mercy, brothers and sisters, that he didn't kill us right then and there because there were certain laws that you were supposed to be killed for on the spot. But he allowed a substitute. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. See, so something had to die, either you or an animal. So that's why we were sacrificing. The Most High was showing grace and mercy on his people to say, I'm going to allow you to live. Sacrifice an animal. I'll take that as a substitute. That's the wages of sin, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 23. But the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ our Lord. Right. It says the gift of God is eternal life through Christ our Lord. Why? What did Christ do? That sacrifice that we needed, Christ became that sacrifice. We're going to prove it. Leviticus 17 and 11. We're talking about the sacrifice. We need to know what our purpose for sacrifice was in the Old Testament to understand what Christ's purpose was in the New Testament as a sacrifice. Leviticus 17 and 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Atonement is only through blood, brothers and sisters. Read that again. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. So that means blood must be shed for sins, brothers and sisters. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your soul. See? So to make it to cover it, atone means to cover. So to cover your sins, blood have to be shed, either yours or an animal's. For it is in the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. See? So what? He was teaching us the seriousness of sin, brothers and sisters. Sin isn't insignificant or easily excused. Blood must be shed to atone for it. That's is what this is what he was trying to teach us, brothers and sisters. He was teaching us grace and mercy. Why? Because instead of being put to death for our own sins, he allowed a substitute. That's mercy, brothers and sisters. See, so he needed us to understand the significance of sin. Because why? He was going to send a, a sacrifice. 
And if you didn't understand the significance of sacrifice, you wouldn't understand Christ's purpose. This was the significance of learning about sacrifice. He allowed us to sacrifice animals. So when Christ, his son, came, we would have respect for that sacrifice. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is in the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. See? So he allowed us to sacrifice animals in the Old Testament so we can understand Christ and his purpose and his significance of being a sacrifice. To prove that, we're going to go to Galatians 3 and 24 to show you that this was to give us the understanding of Christ. Galatians 3 and 24. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us into Christ. See, the law is what? The first five books of Moses. Leviticus is the first five books of Moses. So that's the schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So because we understand sacrifice now, we understand the significance of Christ's sacrifice. Because why? Israel sinned, so they needed a sacrifice. And Christ was that sacrifice. Read that one more time, brother. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. See, so the law, the Old Testament, was to give us understanding to bring us closer to Christ. Brothers and sisters, he wanted his people to realize the cost of sin because he was preparing the hearts of his people, our people, to to receive the solution to sin, which was Christ. If you didn't respect sacrifices of animals, how could you respect Christ's sacrifice? So this is what he was trying to stress to us, brothers and sisters. To prove that, we're going to go to Isaiah 1 and 11 because, you know, Israelites. Always try to find a way around things. So what did our people do? We started sinning. We started sacrificing knowing we was going to sin. We're like, you know what? I'm going down to Babylon this week. I'm going to do a lot of fornicating. So I'm going to just go ahead and kill three doves right now. So I could just be covered to sin all weekend long. This is what our people was doing, brothers and sisters. The children of Israel are very stiff-necked people. They will find a way around anything. Like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go steal from my brother today. We go ahead, you know, get an unblemished lamb, so I'm covered. This is what our people was doing. That's why the Most High had to stop that and do away with that. Read verse 11, brother, please. Isaiah 1 and 11. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, said the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of ram. I'm, he said, I'm full of this, man. Y'all just, just killing animals for no reason now. Our people just started slaying animals just so we could sin. We just started slaying animals so we could sin. Brothers and sisters, like, yeah, I know I'm a sin, so I need to, you know, make sure I'm good with the most high. Go ahead and get four lambs lined up. Because when I come back from Babylon, boy, something got to die. <laughs> something going to have to die. See, this is what our people started doing, brothers and sisters. This is what our people started doing. We are very stiff-necked people, and we always try to find a way around things. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 11. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, said the Lord? I am full of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs right. or of he goats. Right. See, so he's saying, listen, the Most High became nauseated with our repetitive sin and sacrifice. We just started killing animals so we could sin. That's not the per that was not the reason he gave us that law, brothers and sisters. This was repulsive in the eye of the Most High, brothers and sisters. Why? We're going to show you why. People are saying, well, I thought he said we made a covenant by sacrifice. He did. But not this kind of sacrifice. 
We're going to show you why. Hosea 6 and 6. We're almost done here, brothers and sisters. Hosea 6 and 6. To show you why Christ will, why the Most High no longer accepted animal sacrifice. Hosea 6 and 6. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offering. So what is this saying? This is saying that if you would not have been transgressing the law, you would have never needed a sacrifice. So it wasn't that he wanted sacrifice. He would rather you be obedient. Not, because understand, brothers and sisters, if you have a child, you reprimand your child for being disobedient. Or you say, okay, well, go stand in the corner. Or, I need you to write. I will listen to my parents a hundred times. Are you happy that they're, that they're receiving punishment? No. You would rather them had just did what you said, but you allow the, that to cover for them. Okay, you know. You did your punishment. You did punishment for a week. Are you happy that they had to do punishment for a week? No. You would have rather them been obedient. This is what he's saying. I would have rather you been obedient than to start slaying animals. That's what I really wanted. I didn't want you to slay animals. I'd rather you be obedient because you wouldn't need a sacrifice if you was obedient. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 6. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offering. See? See, brothers and sisters? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 6, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offering. Right, to show you that there had to be a circumcision in heart. Your heart must be changed. You can't just be slaying animals for, so you could do dirt all through life. You're doing dirt all through life. You didn't kill about 100 lambs in the last month. This is what was going on, brothers and sisters. So people could fulfill their flesh. Go to 1 Samuel 15 and 22, brother. We got about five more scriptures. 1 Samuel 15 and 22. And Samuel said, At the Lord is great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Read that again, brother. And Samuel said, At the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. See, so do he delight in sacrifices? You killing animals or you being obedient, brothers and sisters? So sacrifice without obedience is idolatry, brothers and sisters. With this, this is what the scriptures say. Read that one more time, brother. And Samuel said, At the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Right. See, to obey is better than sacrifice. So just because he accepted sacrifice doesn't mean he delights in it, brothers and sisters. He just lets you use that to cover you so he didn't have to judge you. So he didn't delight in these sacrifices. He would rather you be obedient so you wouldn't need to sacrifice. Just like if you had to reprimand your child and your child had to write, I will do my homework 150 times. And then they give it to you and they're like, you happy now? You're like, no, I'm not happy now. I wanted you to be obedient. I'm not happy with this. I'm allowing that so I don't have to punish you further. But I'm not happy with it. And that's what the Most High was trying to tell us. So what did he do? He started to reject animal sacrifice. Brothers and sisters, he started to despise our sacrifices, for they were meaningless without a change of heart, brothers and sisters. Our people started to sacrifice animals without repentance in our hearts, without any level of contrition. Our people started to just kill animals, brothers and sisters. And the Most High was not happy with it, so he stopped animal sacrifice, and he needed to send another sacrifice. Go to Deuteronomy 10 and 16, brother, as we round our Deuteronomy 10 and 16. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, 
And be no more stiff-necked. See, so you must circumcise your heart, brothers and sisters. It wasn't just about the physical act of the sacrifice if you didn't change inside. You must internally sever sin from our wicked heart, brothers and sisters. A heart must be circumcised. That means there must be reflection. There must be repentance. There must be correction. You cannot just slay an animal without repentance, without reflection, without correction. All of those things is deserves forgiveness, brothers and sisters. You have to have some level of contrition. You can't just slay animals and say, well, yeah, I killed an animal and uh, I plan on doing the same thing next week because I'm going to do the same sin. So Christ had to come to be that physical sacrifice, that 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 human sacrifice, brothers and sisters. And we're going to show you. Read that one more time, actually, brother. Verse 16. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is God of gods and the Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. All right, we're going to go to Hebrews 9 and 12, and then we'll go to Luke 1 and 68. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, to show you what the purpose of Christ's blood was, his sacrifice. Now that we know we had to sacrifice animals for sin, now you can understand why Christ had to come. Because his people needed a sacrifice. Hebrews 9, verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and cows, but by his own blood he entered in once unto the holy place. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. See, so the blood of the firstborn, brothers and sisters, is what? The ultimate sacrifice. The firstborn, the first begotten was Christ, brothers and sisters. His blood was the ultimate sacrifice for all people. One time and one time only, brothers and sisters. His blood was to purchase his people back, brothers and sisters. That's why. This blood purchased his people back because... We needed a sacrifice. The children of Israel had to sacrifice for their sins. However, the Most High stopped receiving animal sacrifice because of our wicked heart, the intent of our heart. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Right. Further proof, brother. Luke 1 and 68 to show you why Christ died, who he died for. Who did Christ die for, brothers and sisters? Who did he come for as a sacrifice? Luke 1 and 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Redeemed who? His people. Redeemed who? His people. Christ came to redeem his people, brothers and sisters. Why? Because the other nations never had a covenant of sacrifice, so they didn't need a sacrifice. The children of Israel needed a sacrifice. Christ came as a sacrifice for the children of Israel, brothers and sisters. Why? Because the other nations had no need for purchase. They were not under this law of sacrifice. They never had a covenant of sacrifice. The children of Israel did. So Christ came for a sacrifice for the children of Israel. Nobody else had that law, brothers and sisters. This was specifically for the children of Israel. And the children of Israel will act like they don't even care. Christ did all of this for us. And we'll, you know, we'll be more worried about the basketball game. The new... Michael Jordan shoes, the new um, Puff Daddy Combs album. These are the things we're worried about, brothers and sisters, instead of the significance of Christ. The significance of Christ and everything that he's done to, to nourish us since the beginning, brothers and sisters. 
Read that one more time, brother. Verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Right. Christ came to redeem his people. We got three scriptures and we're going to close it out, brothers and sisters. Hebrews 9 and 22. Further proof of Christ's purpose and its significance in the New Testament. Hebrews 9 verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Read that again. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. See, there's a supernatural power in the blood, brothers and sisters. And we needed a sacrifice to get back to the Most High. That's why Christ had to come. Because the children of Israel needed a sacrifice. Other nations didn't need a sacrifice. The children of Israel needed a sacrifice. Because why? Psalms 50 and 5 said, The saints... Who made a covenant by sacrifice, brothers and sisters. So this was the this was the purpose. This was the price that Christ paid, brothers and sisters. It was a steep price. It was a steep price. Go to Genesis 49 and 10, brother. To show you that this was prophesied in Genesis that this would have to happen. Genesis 49 and 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet. The scepter is what a king have. Until Shiloh comes. Until who? Shiloh comes. Shiloh in the Hebrew means peaceable one, brothers and sisters. So Christ was, he came to bring peace between the Most High and Israel. Why? Because Israel's sin would force the Most High to go to war with us. So without Christ, we would have no peace between the Most High. That was Christ's purpose. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet. Until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And who are the children of Israel gathering under? All of us have found out who we are, the twelve tribes we gather under Christ, brothers and sisters. See? So even Jacob knew that Christ had to come to earth. So before Christ came, people had to believe that he would come. After he came, we had to believe he already came, brothers and sisters. You must believe in Christ no matter what. Whether you live before him or after him, brothers and sisters. Christ was the mediator. Of peace between the Most High and Israel. We're going to go to Ephesians 1 and 7 and then end it at 1 Corinthians. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, brothers and sisters. This lesson has been the gospel of Christ. Ephesians 1 and 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Read that again, brother. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. So the effects of Christ's death for us, brothers and sisters, is that we are redeemed from slavery and prison, from spiritual bondage. That's what Christ's blood means for us, brothers and sisters. Go to 1 Corinthians 6 and 20, brother. New Testament. 1 Corinthians 6 and 20. For ye are bought with a price. Read that again. For ye are bought with a price. We were bought with a price, brothers and sisters, and it was the payment was steep. Read that one more time, brother. For ye are bought with a the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. There is a liberty wherewith, brothers and sisters, Christ has made us free through the purification of his blood brothers and sisters 
He has purified us through his blood. Being redeemed children means what? We must keep ourselves pure. The body is for the most high as an instrument of righteousness, never a sin. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 20. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Go to 1 Corinthians 7.23 and we're going to close it here. One chapter over, brother. 1 Corinthians 7 and 23. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. See? So if you follow this Bible, you're actually rebelling against the, the world's societies. You're not a slave to man. If you don't follow the Bible, you're doing all the things that the government, the world powers, and Satan wants you to do. You're a slave to man. You're a slave to the holidays. Every time the holiday come around, you just have to celebrate it, don't you? You don't have a choice, do you? Because you're a slave. That's why. You can't help it, can you? You cannot help it. You have to spend money on the Sabbath, don't you? Because you're a slave. That's why. You're a slave to men. Because why? Men are making money off you. Men are making money off you on Valentine's Day. And 4th of July and Veterans Day. Man is making money off you because you're a slave. If you cannot break away and receive the, 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 the blood of Christ and the redemption, then you're a slave. Today's lesson, brothers and sisters, was the gospel of Christ. We went into Christ's function in the Old Testament before his, his existence, his pre-existence, brothers and sisters. We went into the truth concerning his birth. We went into the identification of who the angel of the Lord is. And we also went into the importance, the significance of Christ's sacrifice for the children of Israel. We want to say, Kwame Asherala. Kwame Asherala. Sin no more. Sin no more.